0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
5: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Oh, yes, living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. Harbin and Schwartz with you. you know, Father's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Is that a big day for you, Uh, Jeff? Do you get the full star treatment from your fabulous family on Father's Day, or is it an afterthought? I, I
4: don't. What is that day? I yeah, don't know if exactly. we celebrate that day in my house. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. My birthday. My son and I share a birthday. So that's eaten up, which, again, I'm not a birthday guy. I don't really care. But right. we share a birthday. So that's eaten up. And Father's Day. I don't think I'll even be in town this year for Father's Day. So, um, yeah, no.
5: You know, Father's Day was that afterthought because Mother's Day is such a huge holiday for, you know, the moms out there. I don't know, for your wife. And I always remember, like, there's five major holidays when you're married with children. You have an anniversary. You have Valentine's Day. You have Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating at that time of the year. You have, you know, an anniversary, but Mother's Day is the key day. Oh, once they become a mom, yeah, you better, better deliver on Mother's Day. And then, of course, it was sort of like that afterthought. All right, well, if you have a Mother's Day, you have Father's Day. No, not really. However, however, I do want to mention something special. If you're looking for that something on Father's Day, get him something new. A DSC six-blade razor. Perfect for an extra close, precise shave. Get one now to store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash breakfast club. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash breakfast club. All right, so here we are on another beautiful Saturday right now. Beautiful, of course, unless you're the defending NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. Jeff, this is unbelievable How this flip. We were sitting here last Saturday, exactly one week ago today... And it appeared like the Lakers had completely turned the corner. Remember, they lose the first game against yep. Phoenix. They come back, they win Game Two, and they look dynamite in Game Three. And already, they're they're you know the odds, and you follow the odds. The odds of the yeah. of them winning the series basically were you're off the charts. And then yep. to go on to win the Western Conference, where you know they were the overwhelming favorites. They yep. were right there with the Nets to win the NBA championship. And just like that, a week later. They're done. I mean, I, I can't quite remember yeah. such a dramatic fall during a playoff run as with this Los Angeles Lakers team.
4: Yeah, they fell fast and they fell fast because Anthony Davis got hurt. Right. I think that's it's very clear. And look, I think a lot of Laker fans, including myself, who watched them play this year, um, I think had some faulty assumptions, right? That, one, um, the the team would be able to turn on in the postseason. We saw last year that they weren't able to shoot very well, but they shot enough in the postseason, right? They made enough threes, made enough shots, kind of did enough to get by when LeBron wasn't putting up all the numbers they did, right? And AD last year was was healthy, which makes a big difference. But I think we, we overlooked a lot of the flaws they had this season in their shooting and their ability to score outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And was, as soon as AD went down there was no chance for them to win they, they did not have anyone reliable to get them a bucket outside of LeBron not a single person on the team you have you know a pivotal game five KCP 0 for 1 he took one exact shot in that game as a guard and Schroeder was 0 for 9 like so the no reliable pieces and so I think a lot of us again including myself Lakers fan overlooked it because we thought AD and LeBron could do enough and without AD there whether this is LeBron being hurt, still with his ankle. There was some, you could see him driving the lane a little bit, some explosive issues, wasn't able to finish at the rim quite as well outside of that, you know, really the third or fourth quarter of game three. You know, Steve, I think it's fair to say LeBron probably can't do it all anymore. Not probably, he can't do it all anymore. He's in year 18. He's played 230-something playoff games on top of all the games he's had to play carrying his teams over the years. He just he, he can't put up 40, 17, and 8 in an elimination game anymore. That's not what he is. And I think we have to accept that as, as an NBA, as LeBron fans, as Laker fans. See, that's not what he is anymore. And it's okay to say that. It's not a knock on him. He's old, man. He's played a lot of basketball. And the Lakers cannot win if it's just LeBron anymore.
5: Well, there are a lot of layers to this right now, and I agree with everything you're talking about, especially with the LeBron situation. But you look – I always like to look at, all right, what do you got locked up in contracts, and where are you going with some of the free agents after this season? And if I were a Laker fan, and I am, but if I were a Laker fan, I'd be a little concerned on some of the comments made by Rob Polenka after yesterday, after the uh, you know the downfall against the Phoenix Suns. And when you look at some of the guys that they brought right. in, whether or not they're going to actually come after them uh, and bring them back, you have Dennis Schroeder. You obviously have a you guy like him on, Andre you, you, Drummond. I mean, are you going to give guys like that can't. $20 million a year you each?
4: You can't. You, you, I agree with you. Here's the thing about it. Schroeder might be really <laughs> good. Right? Like, and, and, and I don't doubt he's a good player. But in the biggest moments of this series, he was nowhere to be found. Even, even game six, he had, I think, 17 points, but a lot of those were in the second half, kind of that third quarter scramble, right? Um, he was a no show. In, in, a, in a moment, by the way, when the Lakers needed him the most, no show. Now, you could argue come back from injury, uh, maybe. But, Steve, my, my concern with the Lakers' roster building is are players excited to play with LeBron still? And who's coming to Los Angeles to play with an aging LeBron who has a lot of control over the roster? And is this a fun team to play for? If you're a young player looking to win a championship, or or a you know, mid-level player, maybe a little bit of an older player, are, are you excited to come play for the Lakers right now? And I don't know if people will be thrilled— to come play for LeBron at the age he's at right oh,
5: now. Oh, I got, I got, I'll take this a step further right now. So, in front of me, I'm looking at all the possible available free agents. And by the way, the number one guy in on this list we're going to get into, and his name is Kawhi Leonard. People forgot that he can opt out of his contract after this season. But I'm not so worried about the LeBron James position moving forward. I have a bigger concern with Anthony Davis. So, I remember in the last couple of years of Kobe, when his body was finally breaking down yeah. where he just wasn't going to get out there. They couldn't sign any free agent's because if you are – because we all recognize that what we have going on in the NBA and something else we're going to get into, the power of the player in the NBA that is unmatched in any other sport. But as each teams try to assemble, you know, two superstars together, a nucleus to build off of, and then if you get a third superstar, all the better. But just, just the idea of being a, a, a top-level, grade-five NBA yeah. player to team up with another grade-five. If you're looking at the Anthony Davis situation, now he has a grade five talent, but injury after injury, he has missed 20% of his games during the course of his NBA career. That's over nine seasons. So if LeBron is gone, I mean, I look at it this way with Anthony Davis. He looks like an old 28-year-old. Like, that body is literally falling apart. But when LeBron leaves and you have, let's say, a 31-year-old Anthony Davis, How many free agents want to hook their wagon to Anthony Davis? Hey, yeah, that's a guy. I think if I hook up with him, we begin the nucleus of a championship team. My guess is not many because you can't guarantee that he actually is going to be on the court.
4: That's a great point. And, you know, for a while... Laker fans and people around the NBA used to always point to Los Angeles as a destination because of the ability to be around other celebrities, the ability to grow your business, the ability to be seen more often than than other places. But with social media, with NBA TV, with with all the attention, you know, on ESPN, it has their, you know, TNT played to the NBA. You don't have to play in Los Angeles anymore to get you know the the attention that you need and so i don't know if players look at it the same way where they have to be in la to go be with celebrities they have to be in la to, to, to get those endorsement deals you know they might want to play in la because a bigger city and the weather's great and all those other advantages i think but the idea of going there and kind of teaming up is not as enticing as this young players as it used to be and so you have the ad injury you have playing with lebron aging out lebron you have you know. Probably not get paid a lot of money because they owe a lot of money to other players. And you're in a tough call. I, I just don't think it's that appealing as it used to be.
5: So I'm looking right now at a list on one website ranking the free agents. Now, some of these guys are... You know, free agents where you don't have to worry, other protective free agents that may very well re sign with the current team. Uh, Obviously, a situation like that with Kawhi Leonard, where Kawhi has the option to opt out of his deal, which he assuredly will do, knowing again, oh, yeah, because, oh, he wants more money. He wants more money. Absolutely. So. And remember, the Clippers can pay him more money than anyone else. So if he were to of actually course. leave the Clippers to go into their team, this is what happened with Antetokounmpo. Remember last year, there was all the speculation that Giannis was going to leave, but ultimately he stayed with Milwaukee because he makes more money staying in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Yeah, um, and same thing with Kawhi Leonard. But that's why. And, and I, when we look at this series and what happened last night with Kawhi Leonard, I want to get to this on the other side because there's there's a domino effect going on right now in the NBA based on how one player can create a whole series of reaction around the NBA and how the pieces actually fall. We're going to start with Kawhi Leonard and why this series and game seven tomorrow for the Clippers against Dallas is such a must win for this Clippers organization. We'll explain coming up next.
6: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Steve Harbin and
5: Jeff Schwartz. By the way, I went to see uh, Quiet Place 2 last night, Jeff. Did you see the first movie, Quiet Place? Steve, my son is
4: almost seven. Yeah. I think since he's born... <laughs> I've seen, (laughs) I've seen two Fifty Shades of Grey movies in the theater. Right. I saw one other movie when I was. I think it was Ride Along Mm -hmm. when I had broke my leg in New Jersey. I remember as I was scooting on my little Scooty wheelie thing. Yeah. I've seen Peter Rabbit in the theater with my kids. Of course. And that's probably it.
5: Yeah. You know, I remember when my kids were young, I I remember watching the Academy Awards one year and the only category I'd seen every movie was best animated film. Yeah. I remember that. Well, that's when I was like, wow, okay, that's all I'm doing these days is taking my kids to see movies that uh, most of them were good. It's just that wouldn't be my cup of tea. But I would highly recommend if you've seen the first Quiet Place, you definitely want to see Quiet Place too. They did a great job, which is not easy, but it's- you have Mom, to see the first one okay. and to see the second one. it's Mom not a
4: it. movie person either. She doesn't like the movie theater.
5: It's too cold for her. So. Oh, boy. I mean, you, don't, you don't need... See, I, I go... I, yeah, last night... See, here's the problem I have now, Jeff. As you get older, as you are your too kids, popular
4: and everyone notices you. Well,
5: it's not about, about the popularity. <laughs> I, I get more... I'm adding on people because, you know, I have my three kids and then Denise, my ex. I, You know, we have a we have a very unique relationship for an unmarried couple. Uh, we're very... We're good friends, you know, and we share three kids, but they're all in their 20s. And my oldest has a girlfriend for a while. Now my youngest, she has a boyfriend. So I don't have three kids anymore. It's like I have five kids. I mean, they just keep adding on layers to, you know, dad, here's, uh, you know, pay for the movies, let's go out to dinner, <laughs> stuff like this. You so, are the father. I am the father. Everyone calls me daddy. That's what's going on right now. All right. So let's let's get back to this NBA yeah. situation. Okay. So here here's where we stand. A lot of people don't know this, but so Kawhi Leonard, when he joined the Clippers, only agreed to a short-term deal similar to what LeBron James has been doing, very similar to what Kevin Durant has been doing. And as we know, with Durant, he left Oklahoma City, then he left Golden State. We saw LeBron, he left Miami, he left Cleveland. So Kawhi felt like, I don't want to be in a situation like I was in San Antonio, and he ends up with Toronto, wins a championship, but he wanted to keep his options open. So the Clippers survived last night for one reason. And that's not one reason because Reggie Jackson played well. Paul George wasn't terrible, but Kawhi Leonard was just off the charts. I mean, he put a 45 last night. So they get to a game seven. This is the first series, by the way, in which the road team has won all six games in the first six games of a best-of-seven series. So, you know, based on that, who knows? The Mavericks might win. And if Dallas wins tomorrow, if the Clippers are eliminated in the first round, even though it's not likely it's on the table, the Kawhi Leonard may decide, you know what? Maybe this isn't quite the right situation for me. And imagine where that would put the Clippers because they had to give up just about everything they had to get Paul George... Because Paul George is the guy that Kawhi Leonard wanted to have as a teammate with the Clippers. How deep are they in with Jeff George? How about this? At the end of his contract, the 2024-25 season, they owe him $48 million that year. And they gave up all their draft picks. They don't have a first-round pick until 2027. So can you imagine if Kawhi Leonard said, you know what? It was nice, but I think I have a better chance of winning a championship elsewhere, like maybe down the hall with the Lakers. Ooh, Wouldn't that be a nice twist? But anyway, if you're a Laker fan. But that's where the Clippers are right now. This is why this postseason is so critical for the Clippers to do something to convince Kawhi Leonard that he has the right nucleus of players to win a championship because that's what he's about. He did it in San Antonio. He did it in Toronto. He's about winning titles.
4: Yes, of course he is. I mean, that's that's why he you know he does the, the load management. It's why he you know, went to the Clippers to build the roster that he wanted. Um, Look, besides Kawhi, if the Clippers do not win, Steve Ballmer is firing everybody. Like, there's no doubt about it, right? I mean, this is now two years in a row of underachievement, and you brought in Kawhi to win to win series, right? To make it past mm-hmm. the, the semis, which they're not even—obviously, if they lose this year, they're not even doing that. I mean, the Clippers have never been to a Western Conference final in the history Ever. of their franchise. Um and obviously, Steve Ballmer did not spend two billion dollars on that franchise to not to not go to the you know, not go to Western Conference Finals and not go to the um you know not win championships. And you're right, the domino effect could be pretty swift because we're seeing the NBA. And I look, I, I think this is the climate we're in the NBA, and, and it makes sense if you're running a team to try to go all in right now on veterans, right? Because we know that you know one thing about this league, unlike the NFL, you know the NFL you can win with you know. Really, second year starting Pat Mahomes, right? You, you can win with Big Ben in his second year. You could get to the Super Bowl. Really, not Super Bowl, I guess. It wasn't really, but Carson Wentz, right, in, in year two. You can... Russell Wilson on a rookie contract, right? You can get there with young quarterbacks at the most important position, I'd argue in all sports. Steve, in the NBA, you need to be like 27, 28, 29. You need to have two Hall of Famers most often. Like you need vet. So I get why teams go all in on these veteran guys, but if it doesn't work out, you're screwed. And and that's the trade-off. Is if you go all in on veterans, you go all in trading assets, you go all in on salary. If it doesn't happen, or Kawhi leaves after two years for the Clippers, You're screwed for years, but the risk, I think, is maybe worth the reward of winning a championship.
5: Well, and this gets back to something I want to get into today, and that is the power of the player in the NBA, unlike any other sport. This is a fine line if you're running an organization, and I'm talking about an owner, but more specifically about general managers and coaches, because if you adhere to your superstars wishes on who are the right players to bring in and this i know if i have this guy and this guy it's going to work and the clippers are a prime example where they mortgaged everything to get paul george to make kawhi leonard happy but here's the problem if it doesn't work you're not going to fire the player The general manager will be held accountable. The head coach will be accountable. And they can look at ownership saying, wait a second. We didn't make the decision to do this. You wanted to listen to your star player. We had our doubts whether this was going to work. But you gave in to the player. And our heads are rolling. That is... That is the difference between the NBA and let's say the NFL. Oh, Where, like, I God. mean, we're we're watching what Green Bay's doing right now with the Aaron Rodgers situation, right? Green Bay's not doing anything. They're calling his bluff. You don't want to play? Fine. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll get all that cap money back this year. We'll use it on somebody else. Give us a chance to see what Jordan loves all about. The power remains with the shield in the NFL. But the NBA under the leadership of Adam Silver, who has become obviously a player favorite, this is I mean sometimes it works, but many times it doesn't work and who ultimately is accountable? It's going to be the coach and general manager. So this this is a fine line and it seems to be gaining momentum every year in the NBA, more and more power to the players and that's not necessarily good for some of these franchises.
4: It's not good for these franchises, but the NBA, we know, we say it often, is a player's league. And I think the reason why is one or two players can have such a difference uh, on, on winning than in any other sport, right? So, look look at the Angels right now. The, the Angels arguably have, what, two of the three best players in all of baseball? Mm-hmm. In, in Mike Trout, and I know he's not playing right now because he's hurt, and Shohei Otani. They're terrible, Yeah, right? they're, no they're not pitchy. any good. You know, Jacob DeGrom, yeah. my best pitcher— in Major League Baseball. It's a guaranteed first five under if you're a gambler. First five under, you bet every single time because the Mets can't hit when he, when he starts. By the you way, know, are you
5: playing him tonight? He's going against the Padres tonight. Jacob DeGrom. I, I would have the
4: first five under, yes. Um, so I, I take it every time. Look, Clayton Kershaw, right? He, he couldn't do it at all and then finally got, you know, finally got a bunch of help and was able to do it. So you, you know, in the NFL, you can be a great quarterback – if you don't have an offensive line, you don't have help on defense, you can't win a title. But the NBA, you pair two superstars together, boom, title, right? So I get why ownership says, hey, okay, LeBron, if we bring you in, we'll sign AD, we'll sign KCP, we'll sign whoever else, because you know, you vouch for them, and we want you to come to our team. Kawhi, you want to come to the Clippers? Okay, you want Paul George? We'll get Paul George for you, because in the end, those two guys, in theory, can take you over the hump and win a championship. And I— and it's not going to change anytime soon. So that's a structure that is the NBA. I don't know how they would change it if they wanted to, quite honestly. Um, and so you mortgage your future for current championships and you get superstars. And until players don't ask for this anymore or until general managers say, we don't care. But then again, if, if you hear general managers not listening to the superstar, he's probably out too, right? <laughs> so I, I it's tough for them to build their rosters around what I think ownership wants to do because players have so much control in how good you can be with just an addition of two players.
5: Yeah, it's it's a situation where, again, the NBA, they make concessions, though. And the idea was sort of the Larry Bird rule, as they originally called it, where once you have control of a player— you then have control over the amount of money you can pay that player ultimately, uh, and as we mentioned with Andrew DeCunzo and with the Bucs, ultimately he said, "Fine, I, I can't. I, I'm going to make more money staying with the Bucks than any other team I sign with. I'm going to go there." But we've seen Kevin Durant leave. We've seen LeBron James leave. It depends on the mindset of the player, and that's why this whole Kawhi Leonard situation to me is very interesting because. If Kawhi Leonard, if they lose tomorrow and go out in the first round, and he's going to opt out of his contract, he's already made that clear, and again, the Clippers can re-sign him for more money than any other team, could you possibly seen him move down the hall to the Lakers? I mean, remember, all the, there was a lot of hype yeah. before he signed with the Clippers that maybe he was going to end up with the Lakers, yeah. even after the Lakers got Anthony Davis in that deal. Could you see that possibility, or... Does Kawhi want to be the guy? Because obviously, if he's with LeBron, it's LeBron's team. But
4: I could make the argument that LeBron and Kawhi could work out very well. Oh, I think too. Because LeBron, again, in this stage of his career, he can let Kawhi do the 35-point game stuff. Yes. He can let Kawhi be the guy. Mm-hmm. LeBron could just do what he loves to do. Pass the ball, yep. make some big plays, with go shoot space jam in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't and, and look, and the knock on Kawhi is the leadership, right? Quiet, kind of quirky, not firing you up that's not LeBron's knock, right? LeBron can lead. We've seen him lead quite often. And so you pair the outspoken LeBron with the quieter Kawhi. Let, let Kawhi be the assassin and let LeBron set him up, right? Let let, let let him make the plans and let Kawhi execute the plan, right? And that, to me, it does feel like a perfect pairing. Now, obviously, salary cap and what you do then with, with Davis. Well, I mean, the, with the
5: three of them, you, you would take up pretty much everything and you just have to throw a couple other guys on yeah, the court. Yeah, and, and you'd
4: have the luxury tax to deal with. But again, the Lakers, I think, would be fine paying the tax if they want a championship. However, so, there
5: are ways around these deals where you would sign him to a shorter term deal and then based on the eventual exit you would imagine of LeBron James, then you could redo the deals down the road. So
4: cor- Correct. So if Kawhi wants to stay in LA, yeah. You're 100% right. That that pairing I think would work if Kawhi and LeBron come to an understanding of how to kind of delicate uh, delegate, you know, de- de- you know delegate yeah. those roles mm-hmm. in in the franchise.
5: Again, this could be a moot point. Maybe he has no uh, intention of ever doing that. And as I mentioned, even though he will opt out of his contract, he'll make a lot more money if he re-signs with the Clippers. All right, we got much more on the other side, but first we got to find out what is trending right now. Jeff, as we welcome in the one, the only Ralph Irvin, who, by the way, essentially made the show according to Levar Arrington and. Uh, the show that preceded us, you know, it's it's unbelievable. I, are, are you like the executive producer with Lavar and TJ no, and Plaxico? No,
3: not at all. That is the great Ryan Bershinger.
5: Yeah, I don't know Ryan. There seemed to be a oh, Ryan's gone now. Never heard of him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> How are you today, Ralph? I'm just thinking about taking a lot less money so I can take all the blame when LeBron's body fa- falls apart. Are oh you, wait, let me ask right. you,
5: can I ask you a question, Ralph? Yes. Are you a LeBron James fan? Do you root for LeBron James or do that's you root against like LeBron James?
3: Uh, any guy who gives himself his own nicknames and does it when he's a teenager, I don't have really
5: time Well, Kobe gave himself his own nickname, Black Mamba. Not when he was a teenager. But he gave himself his own nickname.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, and well, I think James you know what I thought in... about Kobe too.
5: Wow, a lot of
6: hate here, a
5: lot of hate. <laughs>
3: all you... I know, all I know is why would Hight why would why, why would Kawhi Leonard go to a team with less talent so he could take all the blame when the other guys' bodies are broken? Do them? they
5: have less talent? I yes, mean, I don't like exactly do. the Clipper makeup right now, to be honest with you. They still have more talent, Steve. They do. Who? Zubats, Patrick Beverly. I'm looking. Who else? Who else is there? Reggie Jackson versus. Okay. Reggie had one really KCP. good game. Yeah. But Reggie doesn't bring it every game. Is there a difference between Reggie Jackson and Dennis Schroeder?
3: Dennis Schroeder. People are lauding. Oh, my God. Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> people, people, Laker fans are begging to have Rajon Rondo
4: right now.
5: You see where this is going, Jeff? He hates LeBron James. Oh, I could, I could tell by his Just first. All, his first I, call all call I know is day. that
3: Laker fans sold their soul to the devil for their title.
5: But they won a title. And? The Clippers sold their soul as well, but they haven't won a title. Oh, are, are you Clippers guys, this what it is? No, not at all. Well, most, I grew up a Lakers fan. Yeah, most Clipper fans, Jeff, you know this as well, I do, are Laker haters. That's where the basic fan base of the Clippers grew was from those that hate the Lakers.
3: But you just have to recognize that if you're going to the Lakers, you're going there to take all the blame if you go there.
5: That's, that's your job, is to take the blame for everything that goes wrong, okay. But they won a championship, so they're good. Everything else is gravy. He won the championship. He promised.
3: Okay, so 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 right now they're like Kevin Garnett and Bob, Danny Ainge and Doc
5: Rivers with the Celtics. They have won uh, a title. Celtics is another story. Okay. They
4: also didn't have three. They don't have three of them together. If they had three superstars together, maybe they're still playing right now. Sure, mm-hmm. they did. They had Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh, here we go. With the. All
5: right. Let them loose now, Jeff. Let them. <laughs>
3: Hey, you know, sometimes it makes a difference playing on the road or home. Uh, We we go to Major League Baseball, where there are three games right now. Detroit, uh, living off of Eric Haas, he has two home runs, driven in three, and they have a 3-1 lead at the Chicago White Sox. That is in the top of the fifth inning. Cincinnati puts two across. Jonathan India home run in the third. Tucker Barnhart and RBI in the fourth. They have a 2-1 lead over St. Louis in the fourth inning. Still scoreless. Houston playing Toronto that game in Buffalo. And it's in the second inning. Steve Clifford parts ways with the Orlando Magic after three seasons. He actually took the Magic to the playoffs his first two years. And then the team decided they didn't want to keep the current talent and they started sending it everywhere across the league and he decided he didn't want to be a part of the rebuild so they went their separate ways. The Blazers uh, letting go of Terry Stotts Friday night after dropping out of the playoffs in the first round for the last five seasons. Guys, we do have NBA second round action coming up at seven thirty Eastern tonight. Brooklyn hosting the Bucks in Game One of their series. And one last note because it matters so much now to to the new golfer in in Jeff Schwartz. John Rom leading at the Memorial at twelve under through nine holes. Good
4: job in the ninety seven yesterday. Jeff. Oh, so I'm I. I... So pumped! I'm like ready to go back
5: on the course. What happened here? 97.
4: Oh, I, shot, I shot a 97 yesterday. Not bad. Um, and like it was a legit, like legit. Like I was closer to shooting a 90 than a 100. Like, so there I, were you, I, like, you it putted
5: fun. out everything. When you say legit, I mean were you putting out the one footers and everything yes, else? Yes. Okay, but, that's what I'm looking yes, at. Yes,
4: but but I just like I three put. I, I'm just the worst putter of all time. If I spent like an ounce of practice getting better at golf, it would be. It'd be a lot more fun. Well, this better. is
5: this is the problem again. For most golfers in the putting, it's not the long putts because those are long shots anyway. And if you get a sense of speed, maybe you can lag it up. But you got to hit those three footers, those four footers. I mean, I, I I'm with you at this point of my life playing golf. I stand over a three foot putt. I have no chance. None i' I'm, I'm not i mean it's like bad. a it's like a moving target to me like i i cannot the idea <laughs> of just i mean like you're looking at the hole and you're looking at your club and if, if i just just hit it straight it's gonna roll right in, but then i i can't i can't i can't do it golf
4: terrible I'm not that bad at putting um but I just miss. I just kind of lose sh- you know shots here and there. But it, it, I, I had a lot of fun yesterday. Uh, I just like
5: being outside for like four or five hours. Oh, it's It's hard to play. It's well, you're to... like Mark Twain. See, Mark Twain called uh, golf a good walk spoiled. It's a good walk spoiled. It's it's really a chance for me to have a cigar without uh, being bothered. Yeah. That's really what, what do golf you, is do about. You, do you enjoy adult beverages on the course?
4: I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy yesterday, who I went with, um, mm-hmm. he got a six pack of beer. Mm-hmm. He shot his he shot his best round by eight holes, eight, eight eight strokes, I should say. Yeah, and he didn't even touch his beer. He was going so well, he didn't want to jinx himself. <laughs> so he had he at the end of the day, we had eight, we had six warm beers in the back of our golf
5: cart. Eesh. No, you yeah. don't want to do that. Nah. No, but
4: uh, it was you know just like fun to get out and mm-hmm. hit some ball. It was a it was a municipal course, like it just giant fairways so if you if even if you you don't even strike the ball that well off the off the tee you can't really miss the fairway
5: i miss it i i really do i mean before i got uh, married with kids i played quite a bit you know i played a lot at least once a week where i get out on the golf course went to the range a lot but you know you start getting all those responsibilities and everything else and it takes a lot of time out of your schedule you know, four or yeah, five I hours. I don't, I don't always have four or five hours to kill in my day, so that's
4: why I don't golf from like August first to the end of the Super Bowl. I like, yeah. don't have time for that, so no. I just try to get it in, in the summer. And it's the only problem is it, it is viciously hot <laughs> in the summer months. The well, where and, you are, the, South, and the humidity
5: must be. By the way, speaking of your neck of the woods, what's the reaction been on uh, Mike Shashovsky? In fact, I want to. I want to. I want to give something to you here on a contrast of big announcements that came from the same state in the same year, and that's the retirement of two Hall of Fame coaches, Roy Williams and Mike Shashevsky. Both of them coming off bad seasons, okay? And Roy Williams, who, by the way, his career-winning percentage, I believe, is actually better than Krzyzewski. I'm not 100% sure, but it might be because, obviously, with Kansas and North Carolina, a lot of winning teams. But they're they're very similar. I mean, Krzyzewski is coached longer, so he has more championships. He has five. Roy Williams has three. But Roy Williams ultimately deciding to walk away immediately. Like, I am retired today, as opposed to Mike Krzyzewski, and look, I'm not in any way diminishing what Coach K has done as a coach, but it really tells you the difference in personalities. The coach, like Roy Williams, just walking away, right? Oh, you're you're leaving, as opposed to Coach K, who needs the farewell tour, who (laughs) needs that one extra year for everyone to acknowledge Uh, you are the greatest, Coach K, you are the greatest. People don't understand this about Coach K. And again, takes nothing away from him as a coach. He is on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches. But he's an egomaniac. Uh, He loves the attention. Well, to some degree. But Roy Williams is a different beast by far than Coach K. So he could walk away and call it a career, but not Coach K. He wants to make sure that everyone gives him his proper due as one of the all-time greats. Farewell tour. You know, I want gifts along the way. I want acknowledgement everywhere I go. That is the difference between a Roy Williams and a Mike Shashevsky. So what's the reaction of this big new, complete overhaul in the Carolina scene with the two biggest basketball programs there?
4: Well, I, I don't know what the
5: reaction is, you
4: know, in Charlotte. I, I might listen to local sports talk radio. Right. Um, but my reaction was was twofold. One is that I kind of agree with you with the with the long retirement, right? So he's gonna get as much as possible, you know, a farewell tour, right? I mean, North Carolina's not going to give him a farewell tour, but, you know, we saw with you know, Derek Jeter, Mario Rivera, Kobe Bryant, right? Every place you go, they give you a little plaque, you know, a little, plaque, mm-hmm. a little a donation mm-hmm. to your charity, yes. uh, you know, a signed basketball in this case. And so he'll get a lot of that this season, right? He won't get it, obviously, again, in North Carolina, uh, but he'll get it most places he goes, the preseason tournaments he gets. They'll all talk to him about retiring. But two – I think this is a bigger trend that we're going to see, Steve, uh, with the changes in college sports. I know Mike Krzyzewski has talked about needing change right name image and likeness transferring kind of being more open to those things and look i, I i'm glad he said those things pu- uh, publicly i don't know how he feels privately i know a lot of coaches say those things because it helps recruiting but don't actually want there to be less control right everything that's happening in college sports is coming down to the coaches having less control and for a hundred years now they've had all the control right and now it's changing with transferring which means that If you get a player to come to your school, instead of just saying, okay, he's here for five years or four years or three years or really one year at some point in college basketball, um, now you have to keep recruiting those players. You have to keep stroking their ego. You have to keep telling them they're going to play or find time for them to play. Your job is a little different now, right? They have more control on what's going to happen. Name, image, and likeness, which is going to come into effect July 1st around the country. They're going to have ways to make money now off their name, image, and likeness because of the program they're playing at. And I know good he's been a proponent of, of this, at least publicly, but a lot of these coaches, Steve, they don't like it. They don't like losing control. And we're seeing coaches retire, old, older coaches retire – because, now, again, he might be for it, but just doesn't want to deal at his age with the changing environment even more than it has been, right? So, again, I think this is this another sign that the old guard's kind of moving out a little bit, and the new coaches who kind of get it, who understand, who have the energy to deal with all the changes, they're going to be present for, for the changing of college
2: sports.
5: All right. By the way, Roy Williams does have a higher career winning percentage, 774 to Coach K's 764. Of course, that also includes Coach K's five years at Army uh, as the head coach before he took over the Duke program. Um, the other the other advantage Mike Krzyzewski's had, and there's always been this argument, Mike Krzyzewski, five national championships, second all-time to John Wooden's ten. And people say, ah, oh, well, the 10 was a different era and everything else. It was a different era. I'll tell you how it was different. Back in John Wooden's day, in order to get into the NCAA tournament, you have to win your conference. They didn't have any second or third place teams in the com- in the tournament. You had to actually win your conference in order to get into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about Coach K, he was a throwback early in his career. They had a run of seven Final Fours in a nine-year span between the '86 season and 1994. And if you look at every star player he had during that run, whether it was Johnny Dawkins, Mark Allery, Danny Ferry, Christian Leitler, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, you know what they all have in common? They all played four full years at Duke. None of them opted out not one and that was a huge advantage for coach k while other schools saw their stars opt out for the nba early none of his guys did during that run but you're right as times change and eventually coach k and he'll do it again this year they got the number one recruiting class in just like he had with zion and and that group barrett a couple years ago He's going to have the same situation this year, and he's not comfortable with that. He likes teams that have been in the program for a couple of years. He finally had to cave into the one-and-dones. We'll see how it plays out. All right, we've got a lot more to cover. We're just getting started here. A lot more to cover here, including strategy by one NFL team with one of the most famous names in the game. Well, an update on Aaron Rodgers is coming up next. Steve Harbin and Josh Schwartz. By the way, uh, very quick note, follow-up on the uh, – Mike Krzyzewski story. So when Pat, and, Pat O'Brien and I were doing the national show Monday through Friday here for Fox Sports Radio, Pat was really a close friend of Mike Krzyzewski. Like, he could, he could call him, Jeff, on a whim and say, hey, do you want to come on the show right now? And Coach K would drop whatever he's doing and come on the show with us. Wow. And it was amazing, right? And <laughs> so – he called him one day. Coach K was about to break Bob Knight's record for most wins ever by a Division I basketball coach. And he comes on. And I asked a question, and his reaction to it spoke volumes. So I said, Coach, now that you're about to break Coach Knight's record for most wins by a Division One basketball coach, do you think you can catch Pat Summit's record for most wins by an NCAA basketball coach? Because she held the record at Tennessee at the time. And there was a painful silence on Coach K's end. Like, there was that moment like, did you really ask me that question? And then he came back with the uh, well-thought-out, I don't know. And it was so obvious that he was annoyed by that. What's curious, the reason I bring it up is Coach K has 1,170 wins. That is the most in NCAA history. Gino Ariema, UConn women's basketball coach, has 1,119 wins in his career. So Coach K steps down. Do the math. Within a couple of years, Ariema should break the all-time record. And we'll see that. You know that. They'll publicize that, that Ariema passes Coach Shashevsky' most wins NCAA record by a basketball coach. Does that annoy you, or do you have no problem with that? How many wins did you say Gino Ariema has? He has 1,119. Yeah, yeah, So And the, Coach K is at 1,170. So there's a so, difference of 51 wins. Yeah, so
4: Tara Vanderveer at Stanford actually has more wins she does. Uh, than Gino Ariema does. So. She's actually the so all-time Tara, leader. Yeah, so Tara might catch Coach K before Gino does, the way Stanford, just coming off a title, the way they've been playing, obviously, for so many years how, now. How
0: do you
5: feel? I mean, my my feeling is this, and I have a healthy respect. I, I was there in the very beginning. Ann Myers, one of the great basketball players of all time at UCLA, going back to the 1970s, is a very dear friend of mine. And I respect the women's game immensely. And my feeling has always been this. Like, when they, when uh, the UConn women won 90 in a row and they said broke John Wooden's record of 88, to me that was that was a cheap shot, not at UCLA, but at UConn. Like, the only way we can legitimize these women's records yeah. is if we put them alongside the men's records. And I say that is completely unfair to the women. They can stand on their own. Yeah. They don't have to have some kind of relevance to men's records to make their I- records look legit. I
4: think you can make a parallel saying, oh, look, Wooden's team's one eighty in a row. you know R.E.M. is won 90? I don't think you have to say they broke you know, John Wooden UCLA's right. record, right? You can parallel the two of those accomplishments because they're both incredible. I don't care what, what level of sport you're in, to win 90 games in a row is incredible. And so they can do both, I think.
5: I agree with you 100%. Alright, on the other side, Aaron Rodgers. Will he be a Packer? We'll tell you next.
6: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's me,
5: Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker,
6: Terms and conditions apply.
5: Ah, yes, a beautiful Saturday once again, Hartman and Schwartz with you. By the way, for hot water that never runs out, go tankless with Navian. Navian tankless water heaters provide endless hot water for spa-like comfort. Visit tanklessmadesimple.com. Save hundreds with local rebates. Tanklessmadesimple.com. All right, here we are on this uh, Saturday. We are sort of rounding at the end of the first round of the NBA Plus. Still have one more game to go, and that is a Game Seven tomorrow between the Clips and the Mavs. And of course, that's been a crazy series in which the road game has won, the road team has won every. Every single game that has never happened in a best of seven series in the history of the NBA postseason. So I guess that would favor the Mavericks. Although, as we mentioned earlier, that is a must-win for the Clippers. They cannot go down. The first round could jeopardize the relationship with Kawhi Leonard. But I want to switch gears for a second here, Jeff. Get to the NFL. We haven't talked much NFL. It's been rather quiet right now. Yeah. OTAs of uh, you know come and gone, and not a whole lot of noise. But it's one thing about the Aaron Rodgers situation. And again, when we're talking about the reigning MVP, that remains a huge story. And it seems like we're now pretty well settled in into what the strategy is now and will remain for the Green Bay Packers. And that is they're not trading him. They're not going to do anything. They're going to call his bluff and guess that he's not going to walk away from $30 million of guaranteed salaries over the course of the upcoming season. And if he does decide to sit it out, then the Packers are like, fine. You know, the bottom line is is that we save ourselves a lot of money. We do get an opportunity then to take a look at our young quarterback. Maybe they're confident that we might not win 13 games, but maybe we win 10 Maybe we can still sneak into the playoffs with a lesser quarterback. And then if Rodgers decides to come back, they could still trade him down the road. So is this this a good strategy by the Packers? Or do you think they should be more actively seeking a trade with the thought that he's not going to ever play again in a Packer uniform?
4: It's a good strategy because they have the leverage here. I think people look at Aaron Rodgers and think, well, he's so good. You know, he has a leverage here. No, no, no. The Packers have a leverage here because they have his contract rights, right? Um, even if he were, were to retire and come back next year, guess what? They still have his rights, right? And you mentioned the money part of this. Um, players are willing to sacrifice some money for a greater good, right? But not sacrifice their their deal. And this, I learned this yesterday, hosting OutKick with, uh, with, with Jonas, with Albert Breon. In the new CBA, it was negotiated that training camp fines are mandatory. In the past, players would skip training camp. They'd be fined, and when they came back to work, they would relieve those fines from the player. So they would not have to pay those fines. Not anymore. The new CBA, it was negotiated. The fines will stick. So Rodgers will be fined thousands of dollars, multiple thousands. I think it's like $90,000 a day of training camp he misses. He will have to pay the pack. He'll have to write the Packers a check for that money. Mm-hmm. I just... I, I know he has his principles. I know he wants to stick to them. I know he doesn't like the general manager there. He doesn't like the people there. Well, guess what? I don't like everyone I work with either. But I'll tell you one story that's going to piss him off. Did you see this Tom Brady... Um, it was a, it was uh, Bruce Aarons. His coach said that Tom Brady got to help scout college-wide receivers for the draft. Mm. And why that's important here is... Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, a couple of these quarterbacks have made it a point to say, hey, we want more roster control, right? We want more say in in how our team is built. And I would argue that players should not have a say in that, right? It's not our job. Um, we watch film on the current players we're playing, and we can give suggestions, but in the end, we're not dealing with the sour cap. We're, we're not dealing with uh, you know player personnel and movement, all that stuff. But when I saw that Tampa Bay did that for Tom – it, it's an example of a way a team like the Packers can can play nice with Rodgers, but not actually make him make the personnel decisions, right? So you can say to Aaron, "Hey Aaron, if you would like to watch college wide receivers, be my guest, and you tell us who you like who who you like out of these guys." Aaron, if you want to watch the free agent offensive lineman, you know what, Aaron. Go ahead, you tell us who you like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk you through it, we'll walk you through it. And again, the Packers don't even have to draft or pick up any of the guys that Rodgers wants them to sign. He just feels part of the process now. And maybe, maybe, Steve, the same guy the Packers like is the same guy Rodgers likes, so they want to sign him anyways, and now Rodgers happy because he was part of the discussion and they signed the guy that he likes, right? So there's ways I think the teams can be a little less rigid here and and help – kind of stroke the ego of a quarterback with not actually doing what they want him to do, right? So to me, that's an example of, of the Bucks being smart about it. Hey, all right, Tom, you want to help us out? Here you go. Go watch college wide receivers and let us know what you think. Again, I don't think they drafted anyone that he suggested. I don't think I don't think they drafted a, a wide receiver early anyways. Um, but doesn't that feel like a thing the Packers can do to make Rodgers feel like he's part of the discussion?
5: Well... I, I think that that's fair. Absolutely. I mean, but again, when we get back to the control the NBA players have, the star NBA players over their franchises, be hesitant, though. Again, if, if you're if you're going to base – if you're a general manager or a head coach and you're trying to figure out personnel decisions to make your team better and you're just going to ask the quarterback to make the decisions for you, if they don't work – He's not going anywhere. You're the ones that are going to pay the price right. for the hey. incorrect decisions and and no general manager or head yeah. coach wants to do that. They can confer and say, "Hey, what do you think of this guy? I like him." Okay. Or I don't like him, but they're not going to make the final decision. Right. Look, if I'm if I'm in a position like that, I want to have the call. I'm going to I'm going to trust my own judgment for my fate. If I make the wrong call, fine. I made the wrong choice. Then then I could be facing the firing right. squad. But otherwise, no. So I. By the way, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up quickly here on Aaron Rodgers. And that is, so so in Green Bay right now, he might be a little distressed knowing that he doesn't have 100% of Packer fans behind him. It is a house divided. And he should know this because he had visited this back in the day where it was a house divided between Brett Favre and him back in the day. You know, the Aaron Rodgers to me has never been a great fit with Green Bay. He is a California cool type guy. You know how he is. He's, he doesn't really fit Green Bay. The only thing that fits yeah. Green Bay is that he's a great quarterback and he wins a lot of games. But I've never really felt like he is one of them. You know, the old cheese hats and all the, everything yeah. else. I've always felt that. And, and it's interesting that and that this is not like a choice between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. This is like Aaron Rodgers and Jordan no. Love. And yet there's amazing, they do all these polls in Green Bay. And essentially, it's a city that owns their team. How many people are not with Aaron Rodgers in this situation?
4: Wally well, Rodgers cares <laughs> what the fans of Green Bay think, honestly. Well, that might be a problem, right? Um, Yes, and or is no. it a problem? Well, it's a problem if you don't win. If you're winning, the fans don't care, right? The fans just want you to win.
5: Yeah, but the Packers and have won more championships than anyone over the course of the yeah, NFL have, history. Yeah, they've won- with Farvin Rogers, though. Like, I Correct.
4: Think, so, I, I look. I, I think that again, if Rogers pisses off, if if Rogers comes out and says, you know what, I just hate Green Bay. I hate playing. I hate the city. I hate. The no. food, I hate whatever else, I hate the weather. But he comes back next year and wins a championship, all's forgotten. He might get booed in week one, booed in week two, he might be booed all season. But if they win a championship, all's forgiven. So, and his personality doesn't strike me as someone who cares very much if the Packers fans like him or dislike him. He thinks he's doing what's best for him. And I think he, in his mind, he thinks if I can force the Packers to do the things I want to do, It'll make the, the team better in the end, right? And that'll I'll, I'll help the fans out too. But I don't think he cares. I I, I I agree with you that that I've seen the polls, I've seen I've seen the articles, I've seen the talk about it. Might as well think Rogers cares.
6: Yeah,
5: I, I I agree with you he doesn't care, but it, it's gotta be a little bit I mean, he he's a pretty sensitive guy to a lot of things. He really is. Definitely And if if he doesn't feel like, again, this wasn't a choice between he and Favre, where he was a former first-round pick, although Jordan Love was the same. But I don't think that we went into the beginning of Rodgers' career with the same level of expectations as we have for Jordan Love. I think Rodgers was expected to do more. It wasn't so outlandish at the time. Of course, that was two or three years into it, not just a year later. Um, but right now, apparently amongst Packer fans, it's a very much a house divided on whether or not to yeah. side with Aaron Rodgers or you know what? this guy hasn't won anything as far as we're concerned in terms of a championship in more than a decade. Maybe we need something new, which just sounds crazy, but, but that's Green but, Bay. But the question is though is that do they, do they really want
4: the new um, the new to be Jordan Love? or the new to be just someone who's not Rodgers. Because I'm concerned that Jordan Love is not going to be the guy. And, and the reason why there's some concern there for, for, for me is that, you know, the Packers wide receivers not Trump's OTAs maybe in solidarity with Rodgers, but I also think because they don't think Jordan Love's that good. And if Rodgers thought Jordan Love was this good, he wouldn't be making a stink about it. If Packers thought he was this good, Jordan Love is. They would trade Aaron Rodgers, right? We saw it with Alex Smith and Pat So a much different degree, right? Because Alex Smith is not Aaron Rodgers. But I think if they thought Jordan Love was the guy, right now, they would move on from Rodgers and get as much as they can because the headache is not worth it. If, if Jordan Love is good enough, right? Jordan Love is a, is a top eight player. I wouldn't say the best player, obviously. That's not going to be what he is early on. But top eight to 10 player, Steve, I think he'd be gone already. Rodgers would be,
5: yeah, uh, and and again, when we talk about all these possibility of trades out there, if the Packers are going to be sticking with the asking price that's been reported about three number ones, two twos, three it's players, that's just not going to happen. It's just it's not going to happen. An older
4: player, yeah, it's a lot for an older player, um, right?
5: Thirty-seven going on thirty-eight, and no guarantee that just Aaron Rodgers alone. I get, I keep getting back to two dynamics on the whole Broncos scenario. Does that really put you over the top to beat the Chiefs in your own division? And secondly, if you're Aaron Rodgers, is Denver right now a better team personnel-wise than the Green Bay Packers? Are you going to a better situation leaving Green Bay to join the Broncos? But
4: uh, No, but I think for him, it it seems like a lot of this anger Mm. is directed at the front office He doesn't like the front office of the Packers. He might go to Denver because he likes what they're doing there as far as the front office. And maybe again, they give him more control, whatever that that control ends up being right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that might be appealed to him more than. The chance to win. Now, again, Denver's roster is not bad, especially offensively, right? Judy and Fant and their offensive line got much better last year. Um, they have, you know, they have um, the, the the two running backs, Vic Fangio on defense, right? Knows what he's doing on defense. But you're right. The division's very tough with Mahomes and with, with Justin Herbert. I you know the Raiders have, have a decent quarterback. Um, but I could see him saying the tradeoff is greater for me to have – being a building, I should say, where I like the staff, where I trust the staff, where they have my back, rather than being in Green Bay, where they don't have my back—at least perceived. He perceives it that way. I think they do have his back. Um, he perceives it that way. That, that's my—that's my—my guess on why he might think the grass is greener in Denver.
5: All right, I want to get into a subject that happened early in the week. Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open. I want to get into this with you, Jeff, and talking about. The mental health of athletes. When you are on the brightest spotlight, especially in this day and age of social media where so many people are coming after you in so many different directions, how much should that be accounted for? What kind of concessions, if any, should be made to athletes bent or be made on their mental health? It's a big story happening right now in sports. We're going to get into it coming up next. Steve Harbin and Jeff Schwartz. All right, Jeff, I want to switch gears once again. And I do this on Jeff all the time. He it's knows right. that. But this was a story that happened. And the reason I'm bringing this up right now is that it seems to be very much a house divided. And these are the most interesting subjects where it seems like there's there's good arguments on both sides on why this is a problem. So Naomi Osaka, who is... In many people's opinion, the heir apparent to Serena Williams is the queen of women's tennis. She's already won four Grand Slam tournaments, two Australians, two U.S. Opens. And as Serena begins to wind down her career, and obviously it's been several years now since she won her last Grand Slam tournament, it would seem Naomi Osaka yeah. would be the heir apparent to become the new star, star of the women's tennis circuit. And that matters because in women's tennis, unlike any other sport, they're making equal money at the Grand Slams. So the winner at Wimbledon for the men's and women's, they make the same amount of money. So the money in women's tennis is laps over all the other women's sports combined. Uh, and that's why yeah. women's tennis players have the highest profile of any female athletes on the planet. So she said going into the French Open that she didn't want to attend a news conference because she had high levels of anxiety facing the media. And so she knows showed And immediately they sanctioned her, you know, and fined her $15,000, whatever, not a big amount of money. But what they made clear to her was contractually she is obligated to meet the media. That doesn't mean you have to tell them anything. I mean, you could ignore their questions. But you do have to sit down with the media after her matches. And she withdrew from the French Open saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm concerned about her mental health and so there's two sides of this story there are a lot of people obviously coming to her defense including nike uh one of her major sponsors paying her millions and millions of dollars but there was also the argument from the controlling body of tennis saying look we can't make an exception for you and say well we have one rules for Naomi Osaka, and there are rules for everyone else because you know how this works, Jeff. You open that Pandora's box, and you say, "All right, well, if you don't feel comfortable with the media, then everybody else, is like, well, I don't feel comfortable with the media. Why would I? I don't want to have to answer all their questions?" And all of a sudden, uh, a key component to promoting your sport is eliminated. So, this gets back to the bigger question, and that is the mental health of athletes. And I hear this all the time, when athletes are complaining about things, and the average fan's like, you know what, if I was making that kind of money, I wouldn't complain, believe me. I, I, you could throw anything yeah. at me, but if you're paying me $5 million a year, $10 million a year, I would not complain. And this is always that fine line of people not quite understanding that when you are blessed with certain physical gifts, God-given gifts that enable you to play a sport at the highest level, and the rewards are millions of dollars and all kinds of adulation and everything else, physically you can do it. On the court, she doesn't have anxiety. She's getting it done. But the person, the actual person, Naomi Osaka, is not that she was always very shy she has anxiety around others and so this to me is that balancing act that unless you've been an athlete at that level which obviously you've been at the highest level the people don't really understand the idea of how an athlete balances what they can do physically and how they handle it mentally
4: there's so many things to to talk about here right um I want to start with with something that you, did you know you did mention but I want to dig into it. The, the the thing that I was uh, not most pleased to see but the thing that I I appreciate her addressing was her anxiety and I believe she talked about her depression right I mm-hmm. feel like athletes for so long have had to hide any sort of mental health concerns or issues, right? Now, mm-hmm. I saw a sports psychologist for 12 years, right? I was in college, and um, it was after my sophomore year. I was like tired of talking to my dad about things that were going on in my life and in, in, in football and whatnot, and he found me a, a sports psychologist. It was a psychologist, you know, whatever. It worked great for me, right? I saw him for years, and it really helped me out, and I advise anyone who, who's thinking about it to, to go find themselves someone to talk to. I think it's great, but we don't ever talk about that, right? We, it's not talked about in sports. We don't, and, and for a long time, teams did not even hire people to help players mentally prepare to play sports, right? We're seeing now, I mean, the, the Washington football team is the first to hire a full-time clinician, like someone to help help these players out. And so I'm very glad she addressed that, right? I hope she's, she gets the help she needs and she starts feeling better and all that. Um, but the, the other part of this is the media, right? Is, is the is the media engagements that she has? And look, it's it's very easy to to your point to if you're on the outside looking in, being like, oh, just 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 do it, just do, like right. how can you play your sport, but but not just do it? Well, look, a lot of people can can do a lot of things really well, then not do other things very well, right? Like that, that doesn't seem very complicated to me. But but there, there needs to be a, a fine. Not a fine line, but there needs to be somewhere in the middle of... All interviews are bad, and players doing all the interviews possible, right? Like There needs to be a a middle ground there somewhere. And maybe it is working with Naomi Osaka or any other athlete who does have social anxieties, who does have depression, or dealing with some sort of mental health issue, to put them in a place where where interviews – because, look, I'm in the media now. You're in the media. You've done it much longer than I have. But, look, talking to players is important. It's part of the job. It's part of how you get to know players. It's one of the reasons why I think – I got in the media. Now, it took me a while to get to this point, but the fact is I started talking to media members, started doing some more interviews in New York, started doing more things through the media, and you get your name out there, right? And part of that is, look, it's not press conferences. It's the locker room interactions, right, which are going to be limited, I think, this year, in, again, in the NFL, which I, I know understand and understand it frustrates um, reporters and, and journalists who cover the sport. Um, but I think there can be a, a, a way to, you know, okay, Naomi, how can we do this with you, to make it to where we can do our job and you can do your job and we can not make it so stressful for you. I I think there's a way to make that happen, right? I don't think it has to be nothing where she doesn't talk to media or she has to do it, right? But again, um, until players are willing to admit that they have some sort of social anxiety Mm -hmm. or somehow depression, you can never have that discussion, right? Until until a player can say, hey, I need, look, You know, again, ex-person on the team or someone on the, on the, the agent maybe, or maybe it's the agent in tennis. I don't think they have a union. I'm trying to use a football example for tennis. But, you know, you have a union rep or you have your agent. And look, maybe... You say it has to be documented, right? Because a player might say, hey, I have anxiety. I don't want to talk to media today. And you could say, well, you know, it's hard to prove that, right? Obviously, if a player says that or someone says that, you take them at their word. So maybe it has to be documented that you have depression or anxiety or, or, or whatever it is. And then you can work with your, your media team, your agent, whoever else, to, to work out a way to talk to the media still, right? I think there, again, there is some value for a lot of players and having those interactions, but also for us. I like to hear players talk. No, I don't, post-game press conferences, I don't care about those, but I think and a lot of what we do is players talking and we react off of that, right? We like to know what they're feeling, know what they're saying, know what they're thinking, and eliminating that altogether is not good, nor is, I think, um, you know, athletes never talking to the media. So I think there is a way to, work, to have it where, hey, look, me. how can we work with you to talk to you about your sport, to talk to you about yourself, but not make it to where you dread having to talk to the media.
5: Yeah, and again, I will give them this. Uh, Originally, they took a hard stand, like, no, we're not going to make any exceptions for anyone because that could really open a Pandora's box. Now I believe they're backing off a little bit here because sponsorships are a big part of this as well. Not only is Nike draining a lot of money into her, they're draining a lot of money into the – sport itself. So they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. So discussions are going on right now. Uh, obviously, it's something that will be addressed by the time we get to Wimbledon, which will be next month. Uh, remember, there was no Wimbledon last year. This is going to be a big hoopla at Wimbledon this year, oh, having been eliminated last year due to the pandemic. And a lot of spotlight's going to be on Naomi Osaka. So, I, again, I think that from a fan standpoint, they have to remember when we say no matter what kind of physical gifts these athletes have, they're human. And some of them have the same human frailties that we all have. They're no different than anyone else. Some can handle it, and some can't. And those that can't, if they need help, somehow they should be given some help. All right, so on the other side, get a little bit more into that. Also, I want to get an update on the Julio Jones situation. And, yes, the NBA playoffs without LeBron James. But first, let's check in and find out what's trending right now as we turn to... You know who? Ralph Irvin. Ralph oh, Irvin. The
3: LeBron hater. Thank you very How about this guys? Yeah. You take away the Lakers, the Warriors, the Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs. Mhm. This is going to be the first NBA finals without those teams since 1998.
5: That is a great stat. Oh, thank wow. you. That's 1998. 80s? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, well, it's and that's a good question and not only that And we all said this when they were in the play-in game. Your two most marketable stars in this game are LeBron James and Steph Curry. And now you have to proceed without them. Well, you would have had to anyways.
3: Because they weren't going to win
5: first-round series. Well, but both of them out after the first round? Yeah. I mean, Utah would have smoked Golden State. And, and who? Who? The Lakers were the overwhelming favorites, to the be honest with you.
4: AD was healthy. Well, sure, why, right? Let okay. me
5: ask you, let, Jeff, well, after the Lakers won game three I, mean, I went I mean, up two games to one against Phoenix. There
4: were, there were minus nine hundred favorites to win the to win the Portland would have won
3: would have won a world championship with Sam Bowie, but they didn't. No, no, no. We're because just the, guys guys about the, the, but the Lakers were last overwhelming year. <laughs> favorites. Exactly. The Lakers won the
5: championship. Have you forgotten? And by the way, can I say one thing while Ralph's listening right now, talking about his dismissal, of the bubble? You can say, well, you know, the Lakers didn't have to deal with a single road crowd last year. Yeah, but they also never had a home crowd behind them. It's they not played. about winning
3: at home. It's about winning on the road. You, Steve, know, you know what?
5: This. The bottom line is they had to play under the same rules as every other team last year, and they won. I'm period.
4: willing. I'm willing to, to 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 downgrade the Lakers a little bit, and we can also downgrade the Dodgers even more. Okay, Absolutely, one hundred
6: percent.
5: Hold on a second. He's
4: I'm
6: with a, you, Jeff. Giants fan. He's a Dodger I'm hater. I'm not a wow. Giants
4: fan. I am wow. definitely not a
5: Giants fan. No. Jeff is a uh, Giants I'm, fan. I, so? I think
4: the trade-off here is that I will downgrade the Lakers a little a bit. He's a professional analyst. To no, downgrade, he's a Giants to downgrade fan. the Dodgers oh, even more.
5: He hates the Dodgers. I do. Yeah, That's he correct. Does. There it is height. It's going to height. Oh, you can take it over.
3: Okay. We've got plenty of baseball action going on right now. Detroit with this 4-3 lead over Chicago. They're in the seventh inning. Cincinnati gets a two-run homer from Eugenio Suarez. They take a 4-2 lead over St. Louis in the seventh inning. Toronto gets a three-run homer from Joe Panick. Tapping off a four-run inning. They lead Houston now 4-1 in the fifth. Tampa Bay gets a two-run single from Austin Meadows. They have a 2-0 lead at Texas. They're in the second inning. Josh Rojas, a solo homer for Arizona. A 1-0 lead for the Diamondbacks in Milwaukee in the second inning. And Cleveland gets first-inning home runs from Cesar Hernandez and Harold Ramirez. They have a 2-0 lead at Baltimore. That is in the first inning. And, of course, the NBA returns to the court tonight. Second-round action. Game number one, Brooklyn hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. That'll be at 7.30 Eastern time. And the Orlando Magic parting ways with their head coach, Steve Clifford, after three seasons. His record there, 96-131, and 131, and yet he made it to the playoffs
5: two out of three years. We'll send it back now. It is Steve Hartman and Jeff Schwartz. All right. Thank you very much, Ralph. All right. I want to look at the Western Conference without LeBron James right now. So, obviously, we're waiting on game seven tomorrow between the Clippers and Dallas. Um, And from a star power, Kawhi, I'm looking at these four teams right now. So you got Denver and you got Jokic. You got Phoenix and you got Devin Booker, Chris Paul. You got Utah with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. And you got either Dallas with Doncic or you got the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. So of those five teams right now. Projecting one of them into the NBA Finals, which one, Jeff, would you say would have the most universal appeal in terms of eyeballs watching, saying, "I want to see that team in the NBA Finals"?
4: Oh, that team! I think that that Luka would be the biggest individual draw, right? Really,
5: more than Kawhi?
4: I think so. It played different style. I mean, his size and just his. Mm-hmm. He, the way he he trash talks everyone, like you know, Kawhi is much better defensively, obviously. Uh, but I don't know how many fans watch for for defense. Um, I, I don't think Dallas will get that far, right? So I don't I don't this I don't think it matters if if I want to watch Luca play or not. Um, so the rest of the crew, I mean, Kawhi is the well, biggest. Well, let's go name. let's go
5: let's go to this Denver Phoenix series, which is going to get started on Monday. Uh, the two seed Phoenix against the three seed Denver. Moving forward, if you're the NBA right now and you're on your wish list, if one of those teams was to get to the NBA Finals, which team would you prefer between Phoenix and Denver?
4: Probably Phoenix because you have Chris Paul Mm -hmm. and you have kind of young up-and-coming Booker, even though he's like in his sixth year. Like you have a great story in the Suns, right? Um, Denver might have the MVP –
5: Oh, he will be the MVP.
4: Okay, he will be the MVP. So you have the MVP. I I think the Suns' the story's better, right? If Chris Paul can finally get to the you know can can, can get a ring, um, you know the way they play, kind of run up and down the court, big three pointers, big swings, emotion. I think the Suns. I think right. I mean the 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 team that took down the mighty Lakers. I think this. I think it's the Suns barely.
5: Yeah, and and then he got Utah, right? Number one seed. Is there any buzz for Utah? I mean, seriously, no, I, if you had Utah <laughs> in the NBA finals, and this is no knock on Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, obviously he's been one of the top defensive centers in the league, but boy, you talk about a team lacking sex appeal. Yeesh. Yeah, my um,
4: my radio co-host is lives in Salt Lake City for my Pac-12 show, and we've been mm-hmm. talking all year about this. Like, just it, they just it, there isn't not on the NBA radar at all, right? Um, it, it's not Malone and Stockton. You're not playing the, the Jordan Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, mean, I guess you could make an argument you're playing the, the Nets maybe, right? And so there's a, a draw there. But yeah, I mean, as much as people dislike LeBron and there's a lot of those people, he's been a big draw for the NBA. And I'm curious to see how the ratings, which again, people always say when I say things like the ratings, like, oh, fans care about the ratings that's not that's not that's not not what i'm saying i'm saying that that gives us an idea of how many people are watching and caring right i'm not saying fans care about the race if you're already watching the game you're probably a fan of the nba yes you do not care about the ratings but the rest of us who talk about whether or not a sport is being watched or how much like this conversation how much will people care the rays are important so i and we've seen the ratings for for the nba so far in the playoffs are way up from last year obviously in a weird year um I don't I think Brooklyn's got to be in. And then out west, I think the Suns are probably the the best draw for people to have eyes to the TV.
5: I, I even though I'm not hundred percent a fan of all social media, I, at the very least, I have to concede this fact, Jeff, that, When we talk about, I mean, we're old school here, right? We talk about TV ratings. At least I'm old, old school where TV ratings were the barometer that we set on the interest in anything because that was it. We had ratings, whether it was radio ratings, Arbitrons, Nielsen ratings, and television. That was the only measure in which we could gauge the interest in something. That is no longer the case. Probably the most accurate barometer To judge how much interest is in the NBA playoffs is the talk on social media. Is there Uh, a lot of buzz going on right now uh, where, you know, where people are taking sides and, and just talking uh, about it because if people are not talking about something, even I'm not saying they're making outrageous comments or whatever, because I mean, from a political standpoint, I mean, obviously we're at such a a complete off the rails as far as our politics on both sides are concerned these days, but there's a lot of buzz about it. And so obviously there's a lot of interest. Um, And I look at sports the same way. Like, who are people talking about? I mean, who are people interested in? And I'll be very curious, because LeBron's a lightning rod. As long as LeBron was involved, you're going to have the haters. You're going to have people that are fans of his. People are going to talk about LeBron James. I'm just looking ahead right now, without LeBron, how much buzz there's going to be on social media pertaining to these NBA playoffs.
4: I'm talking about social media. I'm a heavy user of social media. Yes. Um, but you know, I think the, the the last research I had read on this was that two percent of the population drive like ninety percent of the social media interactions. That right? makes sense. So it, it, when you look at social media, it, it's not always reflective. Of society, right? Which we know, especially you mentioned politics, right? Not as reflective of of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, ever. really. It's not. As, and you look if you use social media a lot, like I do, I have a very strong understanding of what social media is. Um, and so, I would say that even if there is a lot of excitement about people tweeting about it, and we often see there's sporting events and sports and life things that happen in life, where there's a strong social media. Like of that event, but then you look at the ratings and no one watched it no one cared right? because again, that's a tiny percent and tends to 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 be a certain age group, lean a certain way, like a certain thing, and so I'm not sure we can judge whether or not these finals are exciting or people looking forward to it based on social media, again,
5: but are they talking about it
4: um I, I guess i don't I don't follow like. NBA fans on social 90. media. I mean, I no. I think the 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 no. I mean, look, Le- LeBron. It's such a lightning rod for whether or not mm-hmm. for everything, right? Whether he's the goat, right. Whether he's he's. I see the you know, LeBum was trending after he lost that game. Well,
5: everybody seems to have an opinion about LeBron yeah. James, right? And, and and look,
4: there have been for eight years now, nine years now, mm-hmm. all the morning shows on sports, right, have always talked about the Warriors or LeBron. Yeah. Warriors or LeBron. Super team, Steph Curry, LeBron. And they don't have that this year. Right. So I I'm curious. I'm not even worried about the ratings or what social media. I'm curious about like when I turn on the TV in the morning, what is undisputed? First things first. What are the what are they talking about when it comes to NBA? What is what is um a, what is it first first take? What are they talking about about the NBA? What is sports talk radio doing in the morning? During the NBA playoffs. Well, I guarantee
5: you this as soon as the Lakers lost, it was all LeBron. All LeBron yeah, all about, the yeah, time.
4: Starting next week, though, it's yes. probably
5: Brooklyn, I guess, but mm? I don't think Brooklyn is that um they're not. Because Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden are not LeBron James or Steph Curry. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They don't move the needle. Like so the same I, yeah. that so a LeBron I, or a Steph Curry does. So I just I
4: I'm curious. I mean, look, we'll be on next week. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we'll have we'll be in a round two. Yep. Uh, the NFL's moved pretty slowly recently, kind of lately. Like there might not be any any Julio news or Rogers news. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what we're gonna do for NBA talk. I'll be, I, I guess we'll find out our answer about whether or not or how important LeBron is. Um, Next weekend when we have our show with no LeBron in the playoffs and no no Warriors in the playoffs.
5: All right, well, I tell you what, we don't even have to wait to next weekend because coming up, we do have an update on Julio Jones' situation. Also, Jeff will give his pick of the weekend for these NBA playoffs. Coming up next. Steve Harbin and Jeff Schwartz. Is your dad's razor older than you are? Get him something new for Father's Day. A DSC six-plate razor is perfect for an extra close, precise shave. Get one now at a store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash breakfastclub. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash breakfastclub. want to thank the guys today. I walk in today. Iowa Sam is watching Iowa annihilate annihilate Illinois in a football game that was played in nineteen ninety one.
6: Nobody else does that where you watch old football games? Yeah, that would be me. I mean not like
4: not like today when there's other sports on.
5: Yeah, it was I'm serious. I'm watching, I'm like, okay, this looks like it was played a while ago. And then I saw Nick Bell was running back for Iowa. I go, Nick Bell, he played for the Raiders in nineteen ninety two. Uh, so that's what he was watching today—a 1991 I, Iowa yeah. domination of Illinois. I, I got to flip on the Big Ten Network here and there. You know, right. Just see what's on. You know, <laughs> it's that's good that they got some timely programming going on. Ralph Irvin doing a great job. It's always great to see Ralph every once in a while jumping on in. There you go, Ralphie.
6: I don't know if Ralphie'll let you put him. <laughs> uh
5: huh. Exactly. And then of course, Lita Lapley was happy to hear that I saw a Quiet Place oh, too. Yeah. We talk movies. I can't do that with Jeff because, well, he has young kids and he can't see the movies. I get it. His wife's not into it. It's a it. great sequel. Um, very quickly here, Jeff, uh, I want to mention Julio Jones. Uh, still awaiting waiting word on what that would seem to be a much likelier scenario, that he is going to be traded by the Falcons than the situation with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, a little intrigue here when Tyreek Hill, uh, of all people, with the Chiefs, said he was very intrigued. Like he said, I was in high school and Julio was at Alabama and his physical dominance, he goes, yeah, can you imagine if we were like on the same team?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill's been paid. He's won a Super Bowl. Like he's not, like at this point, the kind of the stat padding and mm-hmm. wanting to be the only wide receiver, now it's about winning for him, right? Exactly. So Julio, and then Julio wants to win. Julio said that he wants to play for a quarterback with a strong arm, And a team who has a chance to win. Well, I mean, I'd love to have a six-pack, too. Like, I just—I mean, you can't have everything you want. If you want to be traded, it's not always going to be to the team you want. So I'm kind of curious what happens if they say, hey, we're going to trade you to the Ravens, um, who don't really have that quarterback, right? I I think—
5: Well, let me ask you this. If you're the Chiefs right now, you you lost Watkins, but he wasn't doing much for you anyway— uh, you have Hardman, obviously, who's been very good. I mean, they, it's not like they yeah, have a shortage of
6: talent yeah,
5: at I, wide receiver. Is this someone that you need, would make a deal for?
4: I was surprised they did not address the number two wide receiver position in the draft. Um, you know, they don't really have a reliable two. They have Hill, they have Kelsey, but they don't have a reliable number two wide receiver. Maybe it's, maybe Robinson makes that jump this year. But Cole Hardman kind of never never materialized he's also like yeah, the DeMarcus, robinson robinson yeah, demarcus robinson there but
5: i mean when you when you, you, you passed julio over kelsey i mean kelsey set an nfl record no, I know, but you, for yards but you, receiving by I a know. tight end that's your number two but you, well he's actually their
4: number one in my opinion i think he's yeah. the, the engine that makes that that uh, that uh, that car go um no i think that they would love to have julio on the roster hmm. but i don't know if they're going to pay for Julio. remember yeah. guys the thing about Julio is that you have to sign him to an extension if you if you trade for him. Right. If
5: you give me so, up any premium picks. Right. All right. So I got that's a, the problem. All right. Clock is ticking right now. We need your best pick of the day. Give us your best pick for the NBA Plus. Yeah. What do you got going on? So.
4: I like the under tonight, but I would take the Nets if you press me to take a side. Uh, if Embiid's not playing tomorrow, uh, the Hawks are the play by far plus three. Mm-hmm. And the under in Clippers and um, and, and uh, Mavs has hit four or six times. I, I look to the under in uh, Game 7 tomorrow.
5: So you're looking for an under tomorrow. So is that your best play? Yeah, I think so. So take the under in tomorrow's Game 7 matchup between the Clips and the Mavericks. Where does the
6: time go, Jeff? It's unbelievable. We're in, we're out.